Welcome to New Mercies, a podcast by Mercy Ships, where we'll take you behind the scenes and on board our incredible hospital ships that are transforming lives all over the world. We invite you to join us each week as we sit down with our crew, patients, volunteers, and partners to hear their stories of life-changing hope and healing. Julie Reamer had been a pediatric nurse in the same hospital for 14 years when she sensed it was time for a move. She always wanted to volunteer with Mercy Ships and now seemed to be the perfect time to dive in. So she and her husband left their comfortable, known jobs and walked up the gangway of the Africa Mercy to volunteer in Dakar, Senegal. Here is my interview with nurse Julie Reamer. Julie, welcome to New Mercies. Thank you. We got to hear from your husband last week, and he made it sound a little bit like you were really the impetus in going on this adventure to Mercy Ships because you are a nurse and you had heard about Mercy Ships many years ago. Tell us a little bit how you heard about Mercy Ships and why this was on your heart to go serve. I had a friend through Facebook who I went to nursing school with, and that's where I originally heard about Mercy Ships is that she had gone and had posted about it. So I looked into it and thought just that it would be amazing. Yeah, such a wonderful life experience and opportunity to serve. And that was back in 2014. And I had considered going then. I started the application, but never submitted it. And I think I was just scared. It's a big step to leave my job that I'd had, I'm not sure how many, maybe five years at that point. And it's a lot of logistics to figure out with getting rid of all your stuff or putting your things in storage. Yeah, it was just a lot to coordinate. And so I didn't go back in 2014. And then Josh and I got married almost four years ago. And we had talked about it here and there. Um, We also are hoping to have kids. And obviously, if we had kids, then Mercy Ships short term would not be an option. And so we'd kind of talked about where we would, I guess, invest our energy and decided, you know, let's apply to Mercy Ships and we'll see what happens. And if we, you know, are pregnant before then, then, okay, that's, you know, an answer from God that not right now. We applied in January of 2020. And then... Yeah, actually in May, they reached out and said, hey, can you come in June? And we said, no, (laughs) like there's too much to coordinate in the next four weeks. Like, okay, we can't make this happen. But, you know, we had a much more serious conversation about like, hey, when could we do this? And we said, you know, we need a couple months. So September, we decided we're available in September until, you know, the end of the year. Yeah. And so sure enough, come, I think July, we heard from them and then, We were there in September. Now, you got on board in the hospital, correct? You were serving as a nurse. Yes, yes. And in the United States, you're a pediatric nurse. Did you have a different role in nursing on board? I hadn't cared for adult patients since nursing school uh, back in 2008. So it's been a few years. And on the ship, I cared for probably mostly pediatric patients, But I also cared for adult patients, and that was new. Hmm. I know that the nursing schedulers work very hard to make sure that there's pediatric patients, then there's ideally a pediatric nurse scheduled for that shift. And same with adults, that they try to have pediatric and an adult nurse paired together. So yeah, I did care for adult patients, 
the ratios. Uh, so in California, I know that we have nice patient ratios compared to in other states as far as nursing. And mm -hmm. so I was used to caring for two to four patients at my hospital. And then on the ship, I think the fewest I cared for was three. And sometimes on night shift, it was as many as, I don't know, 11. But it was, I didn't ever feel like it was an unreasonable patient load. And I always felt safe and people supported me. And the nursing, it was very different from what I'm used to. And it was wonderful and a lot more time with patients, a lot more focus on building relationships. And it was wonderful. Well, what was your first impression when you first got on board and went down into the hospital in the wards and you saw the patients for the first time? What was your first impression? I arrived during the middle of the plastics rotation, which I don't know if it's every field service, but this field service had tons of kids during the plastics rotation. So for me, this is like, oh yes, this is what I know. But <laughs> what I'm not used to is, you know, I walk onto the unit and these kids don't know me, but instantly coming up and giving hugs and just so sweet and warm and welcoming and children running everywhere. Um, <laughs> sometimes it was a little bit chaotic and think about the hospital setting that I'm used to with, you know, mostly private rooms. Mm -hmm. And if somebody has to be moved into a room with two patients, you know, a, a double room, it's as a charge nurse, it's one of my least favorite conversations because nobody likes it. And yeah. it's always a difficult conversation. And then you walk onto the ward and there's, I don't know, 16 to 20 patients in one room. And if they're pediatric patients, then they have a caregiver yes. who sleeps under the bed of the patient. And to see this and think it's a lot to take in. Yeah. The cultural difference of like, these people are not bothered by being in a room with 20 other people and right. crying babies and, you know, 70 year old man over here and two year old girl over here and everyone's fine. And yeah. in the morning, you know, people wake up and it wasn't uncommon that, you know, somebody might go to each patient and caregiver and greet them. And, mm. you know, there's this back and forth of how's your family? Hello. And so that was just so unusual from nursing in Southern California. Oh yeah. That would never fly here, no. you know, in the United States, people would never stand. Like you said, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have when you're telling a patient, okay, we're bringing one other patient in, in your room. There'll be a curtain between you, but it's a shared room and nobody wants that. But then, you know, when you're on the ship and especially, it's not even just unique to the ship, but in Africa, there's such a community focus and, you know, community-minded people that they don't even balk at all being together. And I have talked to some other nurses on the podcast about this. I just think that must aid so much in their healing to be together. I know I had twin babies. Our first children were identical twin girls, and they were in the NICU when they were first born for quite some time. And they were separated. But the day that they put them in a bed together was a big deal. And all the nurses were excited about it. And I kind of thought, well, of course, the pictures will be much cuter to have them together. But what's the big deal? And they said, oh, they they heal a lot quickly. They will develop and they will be stronger if they are in the same bed together. And 
if we know that about babies, <laughs> you know, how much more could our culture benefit from there is healing when we are together? Did you experience that as a nurse in the wards with multiple people that they aided in one another's healing? Oh, yes. Pretty often as far as scheduled admissions, they come a night before their surgery or like the evening before. And so um, it wasn't uncommon that people would be kind of scared or just, you know, unsure of things with every every admission, patients and caregivers who were already there would uh, go and talk to the patient and it's going to be okay. And really just right away, bring them into the group. And, you know, they had friends and support instantly, like from the moment they arrived, I took care of a patient, Kumba. One day when I took care of Kumba and she had had a dressing change on her arm and she was just in excruciating pain. And it took a little bit for us to figure out, you know, what the best medication regimen and best thing for her was. But in the meantime, there were four or five women around her bed, caregivers and patients, and just, you know, trying to calm her and talk Mm -hmm. to her and holding her hand and just doing anything they could to support her in this time. Mm -hmm. There were so many moments like that where the patients and families supported each other and, it's just beautiful and not something that you have the opportunity to see um, in the States. And yeah, it was heartwarming. Yeah. Julie, tell us what was a highlight for you in your job as a nurse on board? I have not had the time to spend with patients that I had on Mercy Ships. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't uncommon that I would finish my tasks and think like, oh, I have an hour two hours until my next task. And so I look around and think like, okay, probably somebody needs help. No, everybody else has also finished their tasks. And there's an Uno game happening over here and puzzle happening over here and bracelet making over here. And so it was like, oh, okay, what activity am I going to (laughs) join? And that was just wonderful that in nursing, I think a lot of times we wish we had more time to spend with patients, but Mm -hmm. there's, there's just too much work to be done too many patients to care for, too many things to document, and you don't have the time. Mm-hmm. And often on the ship, it was like, I, I get to spend time with my patients. I get to get to know them. And that was just such a wonderful surprise and wonderful thing. I also, Josh mentioned it a little bit, talking about when patients are discharged. And 2022 was the first time the ship was back in service since COVID. And so there were still some restrictions in place. And one of those was that when patients left, they walk out the gangway on deck three where the hospital is, but then everybody else could stand up on deck seven and wave the patients off. And, you know, communication would, would go out to the ship like, Hey, patients leaving in 10 minutes, the hope center just got here. So then it wasn't, uncommon that there would be 10, 20, 30 people up on deck seven waving the patients off. And later on, as the field service progressed, eventually we got to wave them off on the dock on deck three and the Hope Center van would drive off and we could wave the patients off. And it was so wonderful. And, you know, I wish we could do that uh, in the hospitals in the U.S. That, mm. You know, when patients are leaving, this is a big deal. You've gone through something huge. You've gone through the surgery and, you know, it's an appropriate send off. And yeah. it was so wonderful to be a part of that. Really get to celebrate. I mean, just yes. that transformation. But also, like you said, you get to build these relationships 
And you want to say goodbye. You want to honor them and say, you mattered. You left an imprint on my heart. And I want to cheer you on as you as you leave. Yes. Another thing that was new for me in the hospital and that was just wonderful. So I come from a secular organization. And so praying is not encouraged. It's not talked about. It's probably, I'm sure it's discouraged. It was wonderful that, you know, on my first admission, somebody's walking me through it. And, you know, the last thing we do, and again, this is, so the patient just arrived and the next day they'll have surgery, you know, after we've gone over all of the details with them. And then we say, you know, would you like me to pray for you? Mm -hmm. And I know that most likely they're Muslim. They know that most likely I'm Christian. And I was unsure how that would be received. And never once did anybody tell me no. They were so thankful and grateful that I would pray Mm -hmm. for them. And after the prayer would at least have a, you know, very warm thank you, if not, you know, um, have a short prayer for me. And it was wonderful that, yeah, that was able to be incorporated, that prayer was incorporated into a regular part of my nursing job. And it was such a blessing to me. That's cool. A memory that will stick with me forever when I was working on the ship. So it wasn't uncommon on the evening shift that somebody would get a you know Bluetooth speaker and patients, caregivers, staff, day crew, anybody who was around would dance up and down the hallway, just back and forth, sometimes maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes, just dance. And uh, one of the first times I experienced this was during the, it was part of the maxillofacial rotation. And so people had significant bandages on their heads, faces. Some had drains coming out of their mouth or their mm. chin. Yeah. And I just remember patients and caregivers joyful and just dancing up and down the hallway. And you know, these people who have been ostracized, who have this heavy burden of you or your family is cursed. Mm-hmm. And now to see them relieved of that burden burden, and nobody in the room is judging them. Nobody is having these thoughts about them. And just so full of joy, it nearly brought me to tears because I just thought, you know, this is, this is a little taste of heaven and something that I have not experienced before. And I don't know that I'll experience it unless maybe on the ship again. I will take that with me and just savor it. Well, was there a patient in particular that stood out to you that you can tell us about? I had mentioned earlier that I cared for Kumba mm-hmm. and she was just wonderful and Working in Southern California, it's not uncommon to have a language barrier. Um, I speak some Spanish, but anything more than very basic hello and basic medical, then, you know, I have somebody else who actually speaks Spanish step in. Hmm. And by the time I left, I could say few short phrases. I could do the <laughs> hello, the, you know, typical greeting. It is surprising how much you can communicate without speaking the language. Yeah. And so I cared for Kumba one of the days when she had just a great deal of pain. And I did my best with figure out a medication regimen that worked for her and, you know, supporting these women who are holding her hand. And she was there for probably two months. Oh, wow. I don't know what exactly was her what was, what was her condition? So she had a burn to her, I think it was her left arm. 
when she was maybe four years old and her little sister, the house was on fire and she rescued her little sister from the house. Mm -hmm. And in the process, her whole arm was burned. So really like from her shoulder, like to the palm of her hand, everything was burnt. Mm -hmm. And so they did grafts from her thigh. They took some tissue from her abdomen and did a lot of fancy cutting and pasting and put it all over her arm. And so she had a little bit more functionality of that hand by the time she left, but she just had a hard time. It was so much grafted tissue that she just had a really hard time with the wound, with her arm healing. Wow. How old was she then when she received surgery? You mentioned she was four when she was burned. She was in her early thirties, I think. Oh, okay. So it had been quite some time that she had had these burns. Yes. She has the burn when she's that young and then scar tissue does not grow like our normal tissue. And so the skin was just very contracted and arm was almost like stuck up to her, like her hand stuck up to her shoulder and she couldn't use that arm. Oh, her arm was completely bent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh my goodness. That must have been incredible for her then to have that released after all those years. Yes. Yes. Um, she worked with the physical therapist you know, the whole time that she was on the ship. And I know that she had gained some function. And I know that there's hope that she will continue to gain function of that arm. Yeah. What was it about her that impressed you or that made a mark on you? Part of it was just the communication that can happen without speaking the language. And that she was just so warm and every time I saw her, she wanted a, you know, giving me a big hug and would grab my hand and just give me this look that, you know, she was just so thankful and it's unusual and so warm and Hmm. just something that I haven't experienced many times in my my life. Just that the ability to communicate, just caring for somebody and being thankful and for her to be able to communicate that without us speaking the same language was just really wonderful. Yeah. What are some things that you and your husband did on your days off? kind of apart from the hospital. Did you guys get to have some fun? We did. We did a lot of exploring around town. The first time we went out, it was after lunch. And it was with, so the two of us and then one other friend who had not been on the ship before and another friend who was in uh, Senegal in the infamous 2019 when it shut down. And so Josh and I had said, like, we're going to go out on a walk. Do you want to, you guys want to go with us? And we just want to explore around the ship and see what's here. And so we walked around town and Maddie, my friend who had been there before, when we got back, we're all drenched in sweat (laughs) and our clothes, it looks like I might as well have just like come from the pool, like just jumped in the pool and jumped out. Like that's how sweaty we were. And she said, yeah, you know, when you guys said you just wanted to go on a walk, I was thinking like, okay, I guess I'll go with them. And she was like, but most people like you go on a walk to somewhere and then like sit in the AC and cool down and then walk back to the ship. So we learned that you don't just go on a walk in uh, the humid season at one in the afternoon. And there's so much traffic. It's kind of crazy. Yes. Yes, it is. Now, was this your first experience in Africa? Yes. So for both of us, it was our first time in Africa. Okay. So fun. Such a cool country. Senegal is awesome. So many neat things to see. Y'all have to go back. Yes. Yes, we hope to. 
So Julie, tell me how you saw lives being changed on board. There's the obvious people came in with this major deformity or for the scars, I was saying that a lot of people don't have, you know, the use of that appendage. Yeah. And then when they leave, we have in most cases and hopefully restored a lot of function or, you know, for some people that have huge tumors, you know, on their uh, face or really anywhere in the body. So there's the physical change that happens. But something that I was not aware of that I learned was part of the Senegalese culture was that when people have these major deformities, it's seen as a curse that Mm -hmm. either you did something wrong or your family did something wrong or is cursed. And that's why you have this huge tumor on your face. And so Josh had mentioned too the joy that you see people leave with. And it was wonderful to see that and that these people who, you know, suffered this being ostracized and carrying this weight of, you know, everyone thinks I did something wrong or my family did something wrong and now they can leave. And with that weight, hopefully lifted. And it appears that it is lifted with the joy that people leave with. And yeah, so it was wonderful seeing people who came in maybe quiet and reserved and left just full of life and bursting with joy. And it was wonderful to see that. Mm. It leaves an imprint on your heart for sure. You know, and when you realize that the suffering goes much deeper than the physical for a lot of these patients that we take care of. It really, man, it, it kind of changes your mindset about people in need. The needs are deeper than what we can really see. Yeah. Julie, in your three months on board, I know that it impacted your heart and changed you. What are some changes that you've seen in yourself since you went? And how are you going to incorporate those when you go back to working in the hospital here in the U.S.? It took a leap of faith for both Josh and me to quit our jobs and to, yeah, just go do this trip for three months. And I had been at the same job on the same unit for 14 years before that. And I'm not typically somebody who likes change. I like security. I like consistency. And that was another reason why when we had, you know, considered doing this, both Josh and I felt like it might be time to be done with our jobs, you know, we both felt, felt this on an individual level. Hmm. And in many ways, it was scary. And in so many ways, God came through. And like Josh said, you know, we were able to rent out our house and we raised support and that went very well. And so thankfully, we were able to have all of our expenses covered with both of our jobs and both of us deciding to quit. Uh, some might say, oh, well, God didn't work that out. And well, for me, I needed a really good reason to leave this job that I loved and that where I had been for 14 years. Mm. And Mercy Ships was a like, yeah, this is the perfect reason. And now that, you know, we, I I think I have a new sense of freedom since we've done Mercy Ships and my trust in God and that he will provide and that he has our best plan in in place and already planned for us. And I couldn't have known that, you know, we would do this. And Josh and I have hoped to have kids and still hope to. And if that doesn't happen, I know that God has a better plan for us. And yeah, so I think this has given me a new sense of freedom and confidence that 
God has my back and he is planning for Josh and me, whether we don't see it. (laughs) You know, sometimes it can take a while before you can know what God has planned for you, but he has plans and they're the best. Absolutely. I heard someone say once where there's risk, there's reward. And sometimes it is a little risky to step away from your job. There's that old phrase that says, what is it? The hardest part is stepping out of the boat. You know, like first you got to take a step out of the boat. Well, I kind of joke with mercy ships. Well, the hardest thing is taking a step on board, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yes. The the first step on board is harder than stepping off the boat. But yeah, it's, it's amazing when you're able to kind of say, God, I know that you are good and I know that you love me and have my best in mind. It's hard to step away from the security of a job that you've known and loved. I think your husband mentioned last week, too, his job with people that he loved working with. But to step away and to to risk to step away, I guess, with God, I don't know how much risk there is, though, because, you know, he's so faithful. But to step in obedience to where he's calling you is it's hard. It's hard to do that. But the rewards and the blessings are so incredible. Well, Julie, I thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit about your Mercy Ship story today and so excited that you did step out of your job, but step on board with Mercy Ships and make an impact, but also to walk away with a life change. So thanks for sharing that with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Come back next week to hear from Deborah May Geringer, who is a dental hygienist volunteering with Mercy Ships.